In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading for the first Sunday of Advent is from Isaiah chapter 64. I wish you would tear the heavens apart and come down. Your presence would shake the mountains as when fire burns up dry twigs and makes water boil. We want your enemies to know your name. Your presence makes the nations tremble when you do fearful things we don't expect. Yes, if you would come down, your presence would shake the mountains. No one has ever heard with his ears or seen with his eyes any God except you who does things for those who look to him with confidence. You encourage those who delight in doing right and remember you in your ways. Though you were angry, we still sinned. We've continued long in sins, and can we be saved? We've all become like an unclean person, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. All of us fade like a leaf, and our wrongs carry us away like the wind. There's no one calling on your name or rousing himself to take hold of you since you have hidden your face from us. You have handed us over to the tyranny of our wrongdoing. But now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you the potter, and all of us are the work of your hands. Don't be too angry, Lord, and don't remember wrong forever. Now please consider, we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I am always thanking God for you because of His grace, which was given to you in Christ Jesus. For in Him you have been made rich in every way, in speech and knowledge of every kind, as the truth of Christ we spoke was confirmed in you. And so you don't lack any gift as you eagerly look for our Lord Jesus Christ to appear again, he will strengthen you to the end so that no one can accuse you of anything on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can depend on God who called you to the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When they were getting near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, Go into the village ahead of you, he told them. And just as you go into it, you'll find a young donkey tied up that no one ever sat on. Untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone asks you, Why are you doing that? Say, The Lord needs it, and he will promptly send it back here. 
They went and found the colt tied to the gate outside in the street and they started to untie it. What are you doing untying the colt? Some of the men standing there asked them. They answered them just as Jesus told them and the men let them go. So they brought the colt to Jesus, put their garments on it, and he sat on it. Many spread their garments on the road and others spread leafy branches that they cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed him were shouting, Our Savior, blessed is he who is coming in the Lord's name. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, our Savior in the highest heavens. He came into Jerusalem and into the temple and looked around at everything. Since it was now late, he went with the twelve out to Bethany. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Our sermon text today is our epistle reading. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God. Amen. Before the advent of satellite communications for the average person, the life of a seafarer's wife was one of living and waiting for her husband to return. It entailed managing the property and home in his absence and rearing the children while he was gone out at sea. She had to be very independent and manage many things without his direct input. She had to make plans for the days and keep track of expenses. In many ways, she lived like she was single or a single mom, with the exception that her husband would have provided her with the monies she needed. Through his job, he would also bring home goods and other items, but most importantly, he would bring home the money she would use to provide for herself and for their family. But not only that, he would give them what they needed in his absence. Uh, he would provide a house or a home. He would set up everything that needed to be set up before he would depart, from gathering wood to buying furniture. He would give them everything necessary for them to live until he would return from the sea. She, while waiting for him, would not lack because of his provision. In this way, she and the children could eagerly await his return, trusting that they had all they needed to get them through the days, weeks, even months, while he was out at sea. In a much greater way, Jesus has provided for you as you await for his return. You do not lack in all that you need while you wait. Paul states in 1 Corinthians that God's grace in Christ Jesus has provided for the church in Corinth and enriched it in speech and knowledge. They have been blessed with God's gifts and have been enabled by those gifts to know God and grow in His Word, as well as those gifts giving them the ability to teach and speak His Word. These were certainly things about which the Corinthians were proud. But we shouldn't think it is only the Corinthians for whom God has provided I mean, he certainly has provided for his church in all places and times. He's provided for his bride in his apparent absence. We are not necessarily provided with everything we want, but we are provided with everything we need to sustain us to the end. And perhaps it is important to pause here and ask, 
what is it that we need? Because the things we most think we need are not quite as important as what we really need. There are lots of things I think I need and lots of things I want. We might list vehicles and insurance and good health and money among the things we need. And we can make a good case for needing each of these in this world. They have their purposes and they help us accomplish our vocations and jobs. But if we really get down to the truth, what we need is far simpler. I tell my children that we need God. We need our Lord Jesus. Without him, we have nothing and no life. With, with him, we have everything and anything. <coughs> now you might argue needing God goes without saying. So perhaps it's best that I rephrase the question. While we wait for Christ to reveal himself fully on the last day, what do we need from him in order to survive? What do we need from him to sustain us? Well, certainly we need food and water. We might consider that the most basic need, that this is the most basic need, and it certainly is important. Jesus even taught us to pray for such. But he also taught us to pray six other petitions. These are what we need while we wait. We need God's holy name. He has given us his name to call upon. He has given us the means to contact him and to bring to him our needs, our struggles, and our emotions. We can place all these before him and trust him to take care of us. But more than that, he has given us his name so that we would know him and be able to teach rightly about who he is. Plus, he has sent his Holy Spirit to abide with us and continues to send him so that we would have faith and live in holiness and godliness. On top of this, he works against our sinful flesh, the world, and the devil to stop them from destroying our faith or preventing us from living according to his word. He gives us forgiveness and enables us to forgive as well. He protects us from the temptations of the devil, the world, and our flesh, and delivers us from all evils now and in the future, including death. This is what we need, and this is what Christ gives us while we wait. This is what he provides for us, for his people. He sustains us with these provisions and with the Holy Spirit's presence while we wait for the last day. This work of Christ Jesus, accomplished by the Holy Spirit, leads us to joining the cry of the people. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Mark 11, 9 to 10. It leads to the longing expressed in Isaiah for that day of his coming to arrive sooner. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. Isaiah 64, 1-2. The Israelites longed for the king to establish his kingdom, and so do we. We long for the 
coming one to set up the new heavens and earth. We long for him to establish everything he promised. We look forward to that day in expectation. We wait eagerly, knowing that it will far surpass this world and all the things in this world. For God is faithful. He will do as he said and promised you. He has called you into fellowship, that is, communion with his Son. And yet some part of us resists this communion with Christ. Some part of us longs to remain in this world. We express this when we talk about all the things we hope to have and accomplish before we die. We show this when we engage in sin. While we want to go and live with Christ, we also long to remain here longer. We want to enjoy this world and the things of this world more. We want what we have or will have in this world. For we love the world and our life in it. But such love is hatred toward God. James teaches in chapter 4, verse 4, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Loving your life in this world is to look down on what God is giving you. A life apart from this world, its sin, and all its troubles. This is why we deserve hell then. We deserve to remain in this world in life. We deserve to burn with it. We deserve to live a life apart from God and His grace. That is what hell is. Eternal separation from God's mercy and forgiveness. But despite what we have obtained and earned for ourselves, God sought you out. He gave you grace and peace. He provided you with life and salvation. He did this by coming in the flesh. He lived among us and had fellowship with us. He went to the cross in, the fel in fellowship with sinners. He lived the hell and punishment we deserved. He lived the separation from God that we had earned. He did this so that we would have true fellowship with him. Rather than condemning you, he provides you his holiness in baptism. Rather than departing from you, he sends his Holy Spirit to abide with you and in you. Since he lived with us in our sin and died our death, his fellowship with us is sure, certain, and complete. That means our fellowship with him is resurrection. It is life eternal. It is far more and greater than anything you or I think we have or will have in this world. Your connection to Christ is far greater than anything in this world. So come and celebrate with our Lord. Come to his table and eat with him, for his fellowship takes your sins away. He spilled his blood to be united to you. He will not abandon you or forsaken you. He is true to his word. He will sustain you here and now with his food of life given into your mouth at his table and into your ear through his word. Be filled, for you lack nothing while you wait.
For although you cannot see him or his kingdom until the last day, you have your Lord Jesus himself and his kingdom here and now. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. All readings prior to the sermon come from an American translation of the Bible.